0: all right well if you have your bible i hope you do you can turn to psalm chapter 88 psalm 88 we're going to look at psalm 88 so as we started the psalm series uh, one of the things that i mentioned to you all and i've kind of just been keeping before you is that the psalms they they run the gamut of human emotion like it it lays bare uh the ups And the downs of life, from the point of uh, like from the vantage point of the human soul, (laughs) like what we're feeling in those ups and downs, and how we're going through that. But what it really teaches us, what the psalms are so good about teaching us, is how to turn those feelings, be it even uh, even joy or despair, it teaches us how to turn those things into songs and into prayers. It teaches us how to deal with those things as we're either celebrating the Lord, or we may be in a moment where we're like fighting for faith in the Lord, like we're not sure there's anything to celebrate about the Lord. And so today's Psalm is is more on the fight for faith. This is what we would call a lament. It's a Psalm uh, that takes on a really uh, depressing tone, <laughs> and, and so it's great for a rainy Sunday morning. Um, but it. It's surely, Psalm 88 is surely the darkest psalm of them all. Like there's almost every other lament psalm gives you like some peace, some, some snippet of hope, some, some piece of like uh, things are going to be okay, right? Like there's some, they, you may be calling for fire to rain down on the heads of your enemies at one point in the psalm, but by the end you're like celebrating the Lord for his faithfulness. But this psalm doesn't do that. This psalm leaves us with nothing like that. It it leaves us kind of in the middle of the fight and there appears to be no immediate relief. And so let me just read Psalm 88 to you. It's 18 verses, so it'll, it'll take a moment. Uh, maybe this will help us kind of feel the weight of the psalm. Uh, and then we'll pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us today as we, as we talk through this. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused uh, my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. And so um, the tone's not real hopeful. <laughs> uh, it kind of leaves us in despair. Now, um, I hope to draw out a few things and I'll get to that in a moment, but I did want to share this just kind of from my heart to you today that, that uh, the author of this, his name is He-Man and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about him in a moment uh, just about kind of where he's at in this. But, but one of the things I want to lay before you today is that I feel a bit like He-Man this morning. Um, over the last year and a half, Uh, To be honest, I have felt very uh, fruitless in prayer, uh, fruitless in Bible reading, just kind of personal study time, and um, probably in a lot of ways just have been going kind of on my own strength. And so I confess it to you today for two reasons. Uh, One, I need to repent of that. And so I want to ask not only the Lord's forgiveness as I have over the last 48 hours but I want to ask your forgiveness also um, on the back side of that I want to ask for your prayer I want to ask that you would uh, lift me up hopefully a lot of you do already uh, but I certainly covet your prayers in this time uh, I, I'm not I, I'm not so depressed that I, I want to take my own life it's nothing like that it's not I, I don't feel like it's anything that I that I won't fight out of with the Lord's strength, right? With the Lord's help. But I just wanted to let you know that this is where I am because I don't want to ever give this air of, like, Kyle's got it all together. Kyle doesn't have it all together. I'm a man just like you guys in here are men and you uh, ladies are also human like me. And so we feel these things at times. We go through these things at times. We're, we're no, none of us are beyond this. And, and so I, I guess I saw this as an opportunity to, like, get that weight off my chest and, and to just stop trying to fight on my own and just ask for the help of the people who I, I love most dearly. And so uh, with, with that, I know it's kind of an odd place to insert that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I do think that, that He-Man's prayer in Psalm 88 comes at a, at a time where God is just showing me Himself to be sovereign, and so, after I pray and I begin to preach this message, uh, I may just be preaching to myself, okay? Uh, but I think there's some things that He man is 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 doing in this, uh, some things that He shows us that are, that really encourage me in this moment, that are really helpful for me, things I needed to hear and need to read. So the Psalm couldn't have come at a better time. But I didn't just pick this this week; like I lined this up months ago, saying I'm going to do Psalm 88 on this Sunday, and and here we are. So the Lord is good. Uh, He's always right there. He's always given us something um, to to help encourage our fight for faith. And so um, let me pray and ask that the Lord would help us today. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and uh, we are so grateful to you, so thankful uh, that you care for us in such deep, affectionate, personal ways. Um, Lord, I as I've confessed to um, these people, I do ask for your help in my season of, um, gosh, I don't even know how to label it, despair or just feeling kind of alone uh, as far as my relationship with you goes, fruitless. Um, Lord, I know that even these moments are ordained by your hand and that there is much for me to learn in this season. There's much for me to grow from out of this season. Um, but Lord, the fight sure is tough. And so, Father, as I open up your word today and, and we think through it together, uh, Lord, would you, would you help us to understand the words that we're reading here, to see these things clearly today in a way that would help us In our times of despair, to fight for faith, to to, to, to come to you. Lord, we love you. We ask that you be with us now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, I mentioned that Psalm 88 was written by a guy named He Man, He Man, the Ezraite. We see that there in the, uh, the introduction of the Psalm. It says, A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master. According to Mahalath Leonoth, and I'll mention that here in a moment, it's a mass skill uh, of He-Man the Ezraite. And so uh, we don't really know enough about He-Man to to say definitively like who he is, which He-Man in the Bible he is. There's a couple of really good options for that. But what we do know and and what matters for us today and the reason why this is important is that He-Man was a man of deep wisdom. He, He is a man who had done battle on the waters of soul trouble. Like this is just something he experienced deeply, and so he's somebody that we can trust. He's somebody that we can learn from. And so he writes this, and it becomes this song for uh, the, the Old Testament believers. It's, it's a mass skill. Now, a mass skill means that it's meant for our instruction. It, it's meant to teach us something, to show us something. So like we want to feel the weight of it, but we're also wanting to be shown something, we want to be taught something in this. And so um, we may ask now, like, what's it instructing us in, though? Because it seems like, you know, just any like uh, punk, rock, pop, like emo song of, you know, like my 90s and 2000s era, right? Where I'm just like coming to the Lord and I'm just, just going to vomit out all my complaints before God. And this is all that's, that's going on. And so, how is this? Instructive. Well, it's instructive in this way. Those words, mahalath Leonoth, and I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Okay, but neither do you probably. So there we go. Uh, mahalath Leonoth means uh, it, it concern. Best we can tell, it means something like concerning afflictive sickness. No particular afflictive sickness, just concerning afflictive sickness. So it opens itself up to mean any number of things. It can be a physical afflictive sickness, a mental, uh, uh, sorry, afflictive sickness, an emotional or spiritual one also. It can be any of those things. And uh, and so what we know is that the psalm is written for our instruction during afflictive sickness, whatever that may be. And, And so... We kind of join He-Man in this. But what we do know is that we all experience affliction. We all go through really difficult times. And the thing is, is like me, probably most of us try to put on this like strong air about yourselves. Like when somebody asks you, hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm great. I'm peachy. (laughs) But on the inside, you're like, Man, if I answered that honestly, they don't have the time to sit and listen to how I would want to answer that. And probably they would, but we feel that way. And so we put on this strong air. We put on a brave face. and, and so, But on the inside, we're keenly aware of our frailty. We're keenly aware that we're weak. And and that we're in need of help. And so any deep disappointment or loss, any deep hurt, any lengthy illness, any betrayal makes us feel weak, makes us feel helpless, makes us feel hopeless. And that is exactly how He-Man feels when he writes these words. But but what really stands out, kind of goes beyond the weakness, the hopeless, helpless feelings of He-Man is this perceived silence of God. Like just the perceived lack of like a glimmer of hope of some sort. Like, God, can't you come in at the back end of this prayer and like just lift up my boy's spirits a little bit, right? And and so to me, the silence of God just comes screaming off the page in this text. It's like, where is the Lord? Is, Is He near us? And that's really what we must address today because we're all going to go through difficult times. You see, being in a a saving relationship with Jesus Christ does not mean that we escape despair or discouragement or darkness. That's not happening in this world. That's part of the fallenness, the brokenness of the world that we live in. We're not escaping those things. We all experience hard things. Sometimes they come in short waves. Sometimes they come in lengthened or prolonged seasons. But they're coming. And so what we do know about God is that he's promised that we aren't alone, right? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We know that he's there. Jesus says as much that I'm with you always to the end of the age. We know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as believers. Now on this side of the cross as one who is a comforter in our time of need, that our souls would not be troubled or downcast, but that he would pick us up in these moments. And so we know these things about the Lord, but He never promises, though He promises to never leave us, He never promises that we won't feel alone, that we won't feel the brokenness of this world. We won't ask things like, do I even know the Lord anymore? Like, is He even still holding me in His hand? And so what makes this worse is, is that God seems far away here. Like it's not just that He's helpless and hopeless. It's like that God's not answering Him in this moment. And, and so when you feel alone, when you, like you know the feeling, right? It's all that I mentioned a moment ago. Your prayers go unanswered. The Bible reading appears fruitless or, or maybe it's non-existent. Like the darkness won't go away as quick as you would like. And then you kind of get to those moments where you just kind of doubt Either the goodness of God or the fact that you're even His. You'll ask things like, God, are you there? And, and, and if you are there, why in the world won't you do something in this moment? And so what, we're suppo- what are we supposed to do when God seems far away? That's the question, right? That's the question of my heart. Like, what do I do in this moment when God seems far away? And I think our boy here, He-Man, what a great name. Uh, I need one more son, Patricia, all right? Um, I I think our boy He-Man lays it out very clearly in Psalm 88. When God seems far away, what He-Man is showing us is that we must regularly go to Him we must regularly go to Him. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. When God seems far away, we must regularly go to Him. Three times in here, verses 1, 9, and 13, He-Man he cries out to God. Makes his cries known to the Lord. Petitions God for something. And in those moments, what He's revealing to us is how we too ought to respond. He's responding faithfully, and so we can look at His example. Remember, it's a masculine; It's to teach us something. And we can say, that when darkness or affliction surrounds us to kind of swallow us up, we need to go to the Lord. We need to run to Him, to flee to Him. And so when God seems far away, we must regularly go to Him by, and I've got three things because, you know, I'm a preacher, uh, by turning to Him in the darkness, number one. Turning to Him in the darkness I'm going to read the text over again not all of it but portions of it as I mentioned these points just to remind us to kind of keep it before us what he's feeling so in verse one and two he says "O Lord God of my salvation I cry out day and night before you let my prayer come before you incline your ear to my cry right slap in the middle of his darkness, He-Man says, O Lord, God of my salvation. He-Man's reminding himself of who it is that can turn his darkness into this marvelous light. Like he's reminding himself who it is that has the power to save him. He's reminding himself who it is that brought salvation to him to begin with. O oh Lord, God of my salvation. And since God is the author of His salvation, He-Man says, I cry out to you day and night. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. In other words, He-Man is saying, he's confessing this to the Lord in prayer. You alone, O oh Lord, are mighty to save. You alone are able to save me from this darkness even now. So I'm turning my prayer and my cries to you and to you only. Sisters and brothers, let He-Man's example inform our own hearts, our own minds today. When darkness descends on us. We, we don't need more of the self-help gospel from the likes of Rachel Hollis or Oprah or Dr. Phil or Jordan Peterson or Joel Osteen and the like. I'm mentioning names because these are the people we're consistently running to. And we need to know their names. Now, what I'm not saying is, is that those authors and pieces of their messages don't have a place possibly in your journey to be very generous. But what I am saying is that they should never be the place that you go to. We don't need more of them. We need more of the Lord. We need more of the God of our salvation. We need to come to Him crying out to Him day and night. Those authors, again, may mean something to your journey, but they shouldn't be the place you're going to to learn about your journey, to figure out how to serve the Lord faithfully. And so if you've spent more hours reading or listening to this self-help gospel than you have with God's Word, or people who are writing about these things using God's Word in the right ways, Martin Lloyd-Jones, John Piper, to name a couple. Paul David Tripp, to name another. Then I beg you to stop going to the wells that will run dry. Come instead to the Lord through his word and discover a well that is never dry. Remember Jesus' word to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He says to her. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the point is this, stop running to the things of this world to alleviate the darkness of this world. You're just perpetuating darkness. You're perpetuating the problem, not alleviating it. So instead, we ought to turn ourselves to the Lord Jesus, the only one who is powerful enough to lift the darkness of this world because he's the only one who's ever defeated the darkness of this world. He did it on Calvary by giving his life as a ransom for all who would believe in him, who would trust him. And so as believers who have believed in him and trusted in him, we know that he's working on our behalf because he's already defeated death and hell and sin and its dominion over us. And so when God seems far away, we must go to him. We must turn to him in the darkness. Oh, Lord, he says, God of my salvation, I cry out. Day and night before you. But again, when God seems far away, we must regularly go to Him by telling Him of the darkness. He means very descriptive in verses 3 through 12, really 3 through 18, but let me just look at 3 through 12. He says, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. This would be the the land of the dead. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit, again, the land of the dead. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. He's saying, I feel like unbelievers who have already passed. Like like I feel that left alone in this moment. That departed from you. Like you're that far away from, from me in this moment. He says, for you have put me in the depths of the pit in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? In other words, he's saying, like if I die, if, if this is who I am, how in the world can I praise you from this? Like, you've got to intervene in my life. How in the world can I bring glory to your name if I stay in this mess? That's what he's asking the Lord. They're valid questions. He says, is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon, or your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? As he tells the Lord about his darkness, you, can, you just get this sense that there's no immediate relief, like nothing's changing. He, he even, it's almost like it's getting worse as he begins to describe my companions, shun me, I'm trapped in and I cannot escape, uh, my eyes are growing dim through sorrow. Like He's like, I'm wearing out, Lord. Like I can't do this anymore. There's, there's no one, like the people I thought would be around me in this moment, they're not here, they're shunning me now. It sounds a lot like Job. It sounds a whole lot like Job's story. But what does He-Man do? Does he give up? Does he say, well, I tried that. It didn't work. I prayed yesterday and the day before. Nothing's changing. What does the the newest self-help strategy have to say? What should I I do next? No, he, he doesn't. As a faithful man of the Lord, he resolves himself to take those feelings to the Lord, to petition Him, to tell Him of the darkness that He's experiencing, to include the Lord in it. Now, now to be sure that we're not unclear, it's not like the Lord is oblivious to these things. But He-Man doesn't just resolve to do it. He doesn't... He doesn't just say every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. He's not just saying like, hey, Lord, the the God of my salvation, like I, I will call out to you day and night and beg you to hear my prayer. Like he's not pinning this just to say the right things is what I'm getting at. He's not putting on this brave face. He's resolving himself not just to say it, but to do it. Like to make this his action. He resolved himself to come before the Lord day and night and tell the Lord about his darkness. Again, He Man is instructing us by his example. We don't want to, that doesn't need to be lost on us. He's, we don't want to just go to the Lord with these vain, kind of repetitious prayers, just kind of going through the motions. This is what I've been guilty of. It doesn't work, it's not helpful. You have to plunge the depths. Of your heart and your soul before the Lord. To use a really gross illustration, it's like a backed up toilet. Like I can keep flushing the thing and it's just gonna get worse and worse or I can plunge the depths of that thing and get rid of the bilge and whatever else is in there to to keep it not so gross. And then it's in that moment where you have a free-flowing toilet. You, You have a heart that is rent in two before the Lord. You have a mind that has depleted itself before the Lord. All those worries and those concerns and those cares that Jasper read about earlier, all that anxiety and and just the anxiousness that we feel, I've now poured that out before the Lord and begged for His help. But when I keep it in here, it's not helpful. When I withhold it, it only makes the process more painful. When I act like things are still good and hunky-dory, I got to to dump a lot of this on my wife yesterday, which was totally awesome. (laughs) And she said, like, I'm so sorry that I, I wasn't aware that you were feeling this way. That's not Patricia's fault. I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate her concern. But when she's asked me over and over again over the last several months, we have this question, we ask one another, how's your heart? You know, at the end of a day or at the end of a week, we'll just, how's your heart, babe? How are you? I'm good. Doing well. It's not that she wasn't checking on me, that she doesn't love me. But when I dump it on her, I put her in this place of like, God, I wish I would known. (laughs) I'm sorry, babe. I wish I could have, like, got it out. It just felt like one of those things I could fight on my own. And the last thing a man wants to do is burden his wife with his weakness or feel like I'm burdening her with my weakness. But I do know that when we withhold it, it only makes it more painful. The the Lord is not going to be put out with you. Do you hear me? Like, this is what I've got to learn. The Lord's not going to be put out with me for bringing the mess to Him. Like, He's fully aware of what's going on in my life. In fact, all the events of my life have been preordained by God. I believe that. I believe that God is sovereign over every choice, over every decision that I make, over everything that's going on, that all of these things are from Him. As He-Man prays, you put me in the depths of the pit. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. And and so, he's not going to be mad at me or put out with me when I come to him and say, Lord, look at this. He's not going to turn me away because he thinks I'm disgraceful. Like, how dare you? Let's not miss that this psalm is a prayer it's a petition to the lord for his intervention god is not belittling the prayer of the deeply discouraged one or the despairing one he wants us to remember that in him there is both safety and salvation in coming to him that he is a refuge and a savior that he's a strong tower and gives freedom to our bound hearts and souls. Hebrews is really helpful in this. We, we know from Hebrews that, that Jesus knows exactly how we feel. Like He knows exactly how I feel right now. He knows exactly how you feel right now also. Like Hebrews tells us that Jesus sits in heaven, that He's interceding on behalf of us now at the right hand of God as one who is an empathetic high priest. So you know what jerusalem lacked and they wanted so bad was a high priest who could be empathetic to their sins he was just slaughtering cows and turtle doves and 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 oxen like that's just what he did like i've got to do this but jesus slaughters himself god slaughters his own son for us so that we now have an empathetic high priest in heaven we don't have a god who sits as all the other gods of the world We don't have a God who sits in heaven and says, I don't know what you're going through. In fact, I'm not even concerned about what you're going through. We have a God who says, I gave my life to help you in this exact moment. What a comfort. And so he's experienced all the pain, all the hurts, all the despair that you and I will ever have or or, or have ever had. Like and even more so on the cross. So it wasn't just yours he took on on the cross, it was it all who would come to him by faith that he took on on the cross. So we, we, the Bible tells us to come boldly then in Hebrews to the throne room of grace, to his mercy seat, that we might receive mercy in our time of need. He hears you, he feels you, and he's interceding for you. When God seems far away, we, we must go regularly to him by telling him of the darkness. Again, he says, my companion shun me. I am trapped. My eyes are growing weary, but every day I will call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. The final thing, when God seems far away, we go to him regularly by trusting him despite the darkness. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. He-man's prayer ends with the word darkness. Like this is just kind of all he knows, yet he models for us a continued trust in the Lord. Through persistently praying despite the darkness, the words, but I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning, my prayer comes before you, is Him saying, like, I know that what I perceive now is this nasty darkness, this cloud that won't lift. But I, O Lord, come to You. In the middle of this, but I come to You. We, we need that in our life. We, we need that instruction in our lives. We, we need someone to come before us just as He-Man is here in Psalm 88 and say, look, I know that all of this is going on around you and and that this seems to be the worst thing imaginable in the world, and it probably is. But you must get off your fanny and go to the Lord. You must. You must fight for faith. You must fight to trust Him to believe that He is good and that He's at work in your life. And if it doesn't work by the time you go to sleep that night, you wake up the next morning and you do it again. We, we live in an age where we want everything gone just like that. Like I mean, we, we are, we're spoiled rotten. <laughs> we really are. And, and I'm grateful in, in a lot of ways for, for all that we have. Praise God for all the inventions and the technology and all that has led to like just the conveniences of life. But we are are convenienced out. So that now when something inconvenient happens to us, we're like, oh my God, what do I do with this? How's this going to fit into my microwave and get fixed in 20 seconds? It's just not sometimes. You know what? A year and a half of like feeling like the Lord is, guys. I, I've done everything. Like I, I, I I've changed sceneries. <laughs> like maybe if I'm sitting in my office and praying, like there's something in the ceiling, the Lord can't hear me. You know, just being silly. And, and so I've come in here. I've turned to worship music. I've done it in silence. I've sat in silence for long periods of time. So much, silence, I'm like I'm uncom- I've made myself uncomfortable now. Which probably meant I should have stayed a little longer, but I'm like, I, I gotta go do something. The day's the day's coming. Like, I just can't get around it. When something inconvenient has I, I I will lay before you that I'm extremely fortunate. My life has been marked by a ton of convenience, a ton of blessing. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for that. So when something inconvenient happens, it, it's rocked my world a bit. I just kind of thought, ah, it'll go away. It'll pass. Just keep doing what you do. But what a year and a half of inconvenience has taught me is that the Lord's still faithful. Like I, I was talking just last night, and like even when I stand up here on Sunday mornings feeling like I have all week, done just enough a lot of times to just get a sermon written, like just as far as that kind of work goes. Like, just let me just pour out some stuff here and get this sermon done because the people come hungry and i got to feed them. So or the Lord does, and he wants to use me to do it. So, But I'll stand up here and I'll know that I'm not alone. Like I sense the presence of the Lord. There will be things that come out of my mouth that were never in my notes. Sometimes it's curse words like bastard, and I'm sorry for that. But other times, it's, other times it's really helpful things. And I can look at the Lord and I can say, thank you for that. Thank you for not leaving me, not forsaking me. Like, those people shouldn't suffer because I'm suffering. And so the Lord's been faithful to not only me, but to you as well. And so I'm grateful for that. And so what it's taught me over the last year and a half is like, one, it's going to be okay. You're not out of the grip of the Lord. You've not, you've not been forsaken by God. He hasn't turned His face on you as He did even Jesus on the cross. He's with you. And, 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 and He's leading you even in the moment. So now it's up to me to say, man, these waves, these breakers that are passing over me, these billows of the sea that are breaking on my head right now, those are from the Lord and they're meant for something. Let me trust Him in the process. This is what he mans doing. He's saying, I'm going to trust in Him despite the darkness. I think what we see in He-Man is a persistence. Like he, man, he sets up camp before the Lord. He's like, day and night I'm going to come before you. Every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to petition to you. I'm going to cry out to you. It reminds me of Jacob in Genesis when when he has his wrestling match with the Lord. If you haven't read that, you need to just check that out. It's pretty amazing, right? But this figure appears and it it, it seems like later on revealed through the prophets that it it was the Lord in some form wrestling with Jacob. And Jacob says in that wrestling match, like the Lord, the Lord says, let go of me. And Jacob says, I will not let go of you until you bless me. It was this persistence. Like he knew the Lord could kill him. And so the Lord knocks his hip out of socket. Jacob walks with a limp the rest of his life. But he was blessed by the Lord. The Lord was no longer the God of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I say, hold on to him. He-man saying, hold on to him, that that he is your only hope. In Luke 18, Jesus tells this amazing parable. He says to his disciples, it starts this way in verse 1, he says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So the purpose of the parable is that you should pray and not lose heart. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep praying. And this is what he said. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who had kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice Like Jesus, in that moment, He takes a scalpel to our hearts in those last two verses. Will not God bring about justice for His elect, for the ones that He's chosen, who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. So Jesus is saying, are you going to trust Him? Are you going to trust the Lord Keep coming to Him. Keep fighting for faith. But what he adds at the end really, really shook me. Will He, he says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? In other words, Jesus is saying, like, this is, this is who I am. This is is who God is. I am always with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Keep trusting me. Keep coming to me. I will send justice quickly. But the question is, will you trust me in this promise? Will you, like He-Man, regularly come to me, trusting me despite the darkness? And then he adds this, or will I return and find no one with faith like that on the earth? Ouch. In a really good way, ouch. Like when God seems far away, we must regularly go to Him by trusting Him despite the darkness. he then says, but I, O Lord, in the middle of this darkness, but I, O Lord, cry to You. In the morning, my prayer comes before You. Kind of sum it up. I I just have some thoughts to share. Like what, What kind of people... Might we become, if we begin kind of ignoring the self-help, anti-gospel messages of our world and the times of darkness that we experience, and go regularly instead to God by turning to Him in the darkness, by telling Him of the darkness, and by trusting Him despite the darkness? What kind of people might we be? One is, we may be found to have faith when Christ returns. I do suspect, though, that we'll become a people who realize that kind of the thorns of the flesh of life, as Paul refers to to his affliction, we'll realize that those things are God's way of strengthening us, not, not, not destroying us. And it strengthens us because by breaking us down, it forces us to rely more fully on the Lord. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, this this thorn in the flesh, Whatever we don't have any idea what it was, that it should leave me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Boasting about weaknesses is so anti-worldly culture. (laughs) But what we're saying is, is like even in this weakness, even in this darkness, the Lord is faithful He's strengthening my heart, my mind, my soul. He's making me more into the image of His Son. And we can trust that because that's what the Bible tells us that He's doing. And so I'll just leave you with this. My sisters, my brothers, long for heaven. Long for heaven. Long for the lasting comfort of the full restoration of all things. Long for the place where there are no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more sin. Long for it. But will you resolve yourself to trust in his promises now? To walk by faith, not by sight. To let God use your weaknesses to make himself strong in you so that you can only boast. In him, We do that by regularly going to Him. Regularly going to the Lord. When God seems far away, we must regularly go to Him. And I promise you that if you will, it may take longer than you hoped, but you will not be disappointed. That The Lord will execute His justice for you. The Lord will fight for you. He will strengthen you. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning?